Welcome to the Pursuit of Wealth podcast. We're here with Noah Parks. He's from Bateman Collective. Uh, they, uh, well, I'm gonna let him tell you exactly what they do. Um, we have been working with them for about uh, five months now, and I've known Noah for about a year now. And uh, great guy, tons of information, lots of experience in investing and especially marketing for real estate. So I'll let you explain a little bit about who Bateman is and what they do. Sure. Yeah, we, I mean, we focus 100% on driving motivated seller leads for investors, finding those off-market deals and, and, uh, and really integrating with all of your systems and processes to set you up for success. Um, that's what we do. Do you guys and do we it focus, for realtors too? Or? We don't. We don't. So just real estate. Yeah, investors. our systems and processes are set to keep retail out, okay. renters out. You know, anything cool. other than a, a true off-market motivated seller, that's mm-hmm. what we're what we're aiming for. And so um, I know that, like, for us, we use y'all, and you do our SEO, our search engine, search engine optimization. Mm-hmm. You do our pay-per-click campaigns on Google. Um, and I think Bing, too, right? Did we switch from Facebook ads to Bing? I have no idea. Um, <laughs> I know that we're doing Facebook ads and Instagram ads with you. I was just asking yeah. if you also do. We, we may have integrated or... Bing. Bing is an interesting, uh, it's an interesting channel. So yeah, you, I, I mean, all four of those channels are the four digital channels that work for motivated seller leads. Um, but what's interesting is Facebook and Bing tend to be pretty market specific. So, for example, nice. Utah, mm-hmm. the whole state, nobody runs Facebook ads. They're just not effective. Bing ads aren't effective. So it really depends on market. But where, also... Where are those effective? You know, it's interesting because we see correlations to politically blue markets. That's funny. Yeah. And even though Dallas is kind of purple, purple mm-hmm. um, it's, it's still effective. And with Bing, they have such small market share that even though the lead quality is really good when they come in and the budget doesn't have to be very big. It's just they're few and far between just yeah. because they have, you know, I think it's like 10, 11% market share. Yeah, I was actually um, out at dinner a couple of weeks ago with an attorney that we work with a lot that I really respect, very brilliant dude. And he uh, he was saying how he switched everything to Bing because of their chat GTP integrations and their AI stuff that they've got. And he's like, I use it for everything now. He's like, Google sucks now. And I was like, <laughs> wow, like... I wouldn't have expected that from him. And so I'm, I'm curious to see where Bing goes with what yeah, got and, going on. And we're definitely keeping an eye on it. We're keeping an eye on all of the chat GPT and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, of course, you know, Google, everything about it's AI, yeah. um, you know, same with Facebook. And it's just, you know, now it's become a little bit more of a, of a buzzword, but uh, yeah, I mean, we're definitely keeping an eye on that, but at the end of the day, they still have, marginal market share yeah and so depending on who your target audience is that's why when leads do come through they're so good i mean if you think about the demographic of people who use the default pre-installed browser on a pc yep they tend to they're typically going to be your older less savvy they're not going to be you know scouring the internet on realtor and zillow to figure out every penny they can squeeze out of their home exactly they're just they're they're doing what's easiest and right in front of them. Yep. yep. Mindset. It yep. makes a lot of sense. <laughs> makes a ton of sense. So wh- what's the main channel you guys work on? Is it Facebook? Is it Instagram? Is it PPC SEO? What's what's your kind of your 
your main thing you do? Yeah, the uh, you know, when we look at a, if I were to give a general recommended strategy, it would be combining Facebook ads and uh, and PPC. Mm-hmm. And, and PPC through Google, right? Correct. Yeah. So in that strategy, um, what we have seen lately is that there's been some volatility in the cost per thousand impressions, the CPM, mm-hmm. with Facebook ads. And I think a lot of that has to do with that's their revenue center and the company itself is struggling and laying off 10,000 more people. And and so they tend to jack up, jack some, up prices. some of those yeah, things to, to make a little bit more. Um, and so Facebook has been a little bit more volatile, but in a, in general, their cost per lead is about 30% of what it is on Google. Mm-hmm. And even though it's more top of funnel, so it takes more leads to a deal, Yeah, they're on average, the biggest spreads we see, yeah, at least break, from a wholesale perspective. Break that down for me. When you say top of funnel, what do you mean by that? I, I know what you mean, but help, help everyone understand. What do you mean by top of funnel? Yeah. So top of funnel in the in the in the journey, right? And so a motivated seller has a pain point, and you know on Facebook it's disruptive. You're they're scrolling through, doing whatever they're doing, and an ad pops up because mm-hmm. they've been identified as potentially somebody who could be interested and be a motivated seller. And so then they engage with the ad and then they take action. And in our case, that is when they click, they're going to go to a dedicated landing page where they then have the opportunity to fill out um, you know, that the rest of the funnel. <laughs> so there, there's like, what I'm hearing is from the decision, so when they see the ad, the ad has to be compelling enough and applicable enough for them to click on it. Correct. That's engagement. Then they have to go in and they have to fill out several points. I'm assuming like name, phone number, property address, something like that. Um, that's the traditional route. Mm-hmm. Something that we've been doing lately and we've done a, so we've got a whole R and D department with six or seven variations queued up to split test. Mm-hmm. And I can get into all the nerdiness of how we get enough data to split test if you want. But uh, one of the things that we've found lately, um, and the net result has been an increase in set appointments of 21%, a decreased cost per set appointment of 27%, and a reduction in listed leads and spam leads of over a third. That's pretty uh, big when you think about it. It's, like, yeah. like us, we spend over 10000 a month with you right. guys. And so... 30% difference. I mean, that's thousands of dollars a month it is. for us. And we're a small fry. We're not yeah. doing, I mean, I know that I've heard you guys have some clients that are spending well, into well six over a hundred thousand a month. Yeah. yeah. Well into and the so, six figures. Yeah. Yes. So that's, uh, that's, that's a huge difference. It so is. what are the, I mean, for me, just in my mind, it's like getting someone to click. That's, that's probably your biggest hurdle. I mean, the number of people who see the ads versus the number of people who click, that's mm-hmm. where you're having the most fallout. Then from people who click to people who actually fill out the form, like for me, I would just be like, oh, I got to fill out a form. Eh, too much work. Exactly. And I would drop out. Exactly. So is there, what's the dropout rate you see from people who see the ad to people who click on it and the people who click on it to actually go through and fill out the form? Well, like, it, what is those numbers? It used like? to be, um, well, I'll give you a better example. So if we were to compare our landing pages and I'll walk you through what, what they look like here in just a second. But if you were to compare those to, say, your standard form on a carrot site, mm-hmm. then you're looking at about a 30% increase 
in the number of form completions with what we're doing. And so you guys are completing 30% more forms than your competition. Correct. Yeah. And and what we've done is we've we've thought about it from the user's perspective, just like you just said. Mm-hmm. If think about it, if you had if you were asked for your phone and your email or your address and your phone rather, and then you click next and now all of a sudden you have 20 required fields that you have to fill out to get a quote over it. You're done. You're, <laughs> yeah. you're out, right? Mm-hmm. So what we've done instead is the primary information that you need to connect with the seller is address and phone, right? Yep. Then they click next. Instead of giving them the long form fill, we've made it more engaging. So the next question is, is your house listed? Yes or no? If their house is listed, well, let me just take you through the journey first. Take then we me can talk about how lead sculpting creates metrics like we just talked about. So if they say yes or no, it doesn't matter to them. The journey is the same. The next thing that they're going to get is what is your house? What do you feel your house is worth on the market? And that question is answered with an interactive sliding scale that they can use to drag and, and, and release where they feel like their house is worth. The next question is, what are you willing to take for your house? And so you're asking them these questions in a very engaging way that's interactive. But really what we're doing is when they filled out that address and phone and clicked next, that information instantly yep. went to your acquisitions already team. Already done. Yeah, it right? makes total sense. Response so time of 60 seconds. Yep. Right. And so net, well, now you're not only seeing what other information you can get, but you're holding their attention to give your acquisitions team time to call. Yep. So As they should be on the phone with them before they finished. Man, that is huge. Like that, if, if you could be on the phone with them while they're still filling out your information, yeah. your likelihood of closing that has to go through the roof. And we do have data on that where go on. If response time of 60 seconds is exponentially higher mm-hmm. close rate then every minute beyond that the yep. the slope is just exponential so it's like the it's the hockey stick that everyone wants to see but backwards yeah just falls off yep. a cliff just falls off a cliff the longer you wait and and it's interesting too because oftentimes people think that they have a if they're not really truly tracking that KPI mm-hmm. they'll think that they have a fast response rate but it's really easy to just go in and fill out a form yeah and see how long it takes your team well it's like if we I mean, if you think about that, it's like if I filled that out and then I fill everything out, I continue scrolling and then, and let's say I'm doing this in the morning, right? I wake up, I'm hanging out in bed, scrolling, doing my thing, fill it out. And then I go on with my day. I get a call four hours later, five hours later in the middle of my day. My mind is so far gone from that. I mean, the likelihood of me even wanting to engage about that several hours later, right? it's off my mind. It's right. like, oh, I'm dealing with other crap right now. Right. I, can't, I can't deal with that at this mm-hmm. moment. Versus Again, when you're in there, yeah, that's well, so key. You've got so much pain that you went to a search engine, you did a search, you mm-hmm. know, sell my pre-foreclosure house fast or whatever yeah. it may be, that you had that pain at that moment mm-hmm. and you went, you filled out three, four, five forms. Because think about a Google search. You have now 15 to 20 options of people who want to give you a quote and potentially buy your house. Yep. And so if I'm filling out three or four forms... That's going to take me 15, 20 minutes to do. Mm-hmm. And if my team hasn't responded and hasn't called them and I was the first result, well, it's very easy that somebody else who's on the ball, maybe in the second or third yep. position, 
responds quickly, yep. they're going to be under contract by the time you even call them back. It's the same principle. So like when I started uh, in this business, um, the go-to thing to do, and this is back in like 2015, is you send out your direct mail and then you just have a voicemail pre-recorded that says, hey, I'm so-and-so, I'm interested in buying your house, leave me a voicemail, and then you call them back at your convenience. That crap doesn't fly now. No. It's like live answer or nothing or yeah. bust. Like you're out. It's yeah. the same principle. It's like that is the that's the medium they're using to connect. And if you don't, they're they're reaching out. If you don't reach out and grab them, you're losing them. Yeah. I mean, not not for sure. You might be able to pull them back in, but it's so easy to make the call then versus all the work you're gonna have to do to make up what you lost right. by not talking to them right I, then. They're motivated. They're feeling the yeah. pain in that moment. They're taking action. They're doing a search. Mm -hmm. They're filling out a form. But what do we as humans do when we have pain? We don't wallow in it. We try to get away from it. Mm -hmm. So if you're calling them, like you said, hours later, yep. they've, yeah, it's going to be harder to engage them at that point of having that pain and providing solutions. So that's interesting. It brings up, so first of all, I just want to mention like, you're so right. If you think about human connection in general, like if you're emotionally in a moment, whether that's a moment of grief, a moment of romance, a moment of excitement, the feelings you have and the things you want to do in that moment are dramatically different than what they are at other moments, right? Like and in other situations. And so if you're letting that moment go to waste, that's on you. So that brings up a question I have. Is there like, will you guys just work with anyone? Or do you want to vet out companies that are actually, because I could, I could very well be uh, a user of yours, not be reaching out to people in a timely manner, but paying you money. But then I bitch and moan about, hey, you guys, you guys service sucks. Like I'm not getting enough deals, but Blame I'm not leads. doing, exactly. <laughs> Blaming the leads is the most classic sales like yeah. thing ever. So yeah. I'm just curious, like, do you guys have any, or will you take anyone? Do you fire clients? Will you not take clients? Yes, 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 and yes. Yeah. So, I mean, honestly, is it you know, it's my job as acquisitions for our company mm -hmm. to to find the people that we do want to work with. And when we look at that, I will subtly ask questions that help me gauge whether or not we're teeing ourselves up for success. And a lot of those are what systems and processes you have in place. And so. It's not uncommon that if the if the business itself isn't mature enough to to have those systems and processes in place, it's probably not going to be a good fit because it only takes a couple wasted leads that you didn't get back to, and now all of a sudden your budget's on fire. Yeah, and it's you know it's just because your systems and processes processes are uh, are just not there. So, what systems and processes are you generally looking for? CRM, yeah. answering services, yeah. or what was that? You know, like? we can even integrate with us with a Google Sheet. So CRM, that's awesome. yes, that's important. Mm -hmm. But more than anything, there are, you know, three qualities that really have the highest impact on success. Three best practices. Um, the first is that response time, 60 seconds or less. Such a high correlation to close contracts with that. The second, assume motivation. So we don't need to qualify them. We don't need to take them through the pillars. Mm -hmm. We just assume that these people have enough pain that they went to the Google or they went to Google, they searched, or they responded on Facebook and, uh, and took action. So when, when you say that, like how would that, how would a salesperson 
exhibit that or show that that you just met? Like, how what does that look like in a real life when they're assuming the motivation? What are they doing? You're not asking them if they have a house to sell or what their time frame is. You want to get right into the pain, and that's that's the third the third best practice is you want them to talk in that 60 seconds to your most qualified acquisitions uh, yeah. agent mm-hmm. because those are the ones that are best equipped to assess the situation, get into the pain because it's an emotional decision. 100%. Right? It's, you know, if we're all just going to pitch numbers at them, they're just going to take the highest bidder, but it's not always about that. You know that. You're oh, yeah. not always the highest bidder, but oftentimes people will work with you because of all the other qualities that you bring to the table. 100%. I mean, in my mind, you know you're good at acquisitioning homes when you get people to take your offer when it is lower than the other offers they have on the table. Right. That's when you are you're a rock star. That's when you're good. Like it's not impressive to be able to get a home when you're just paying more than everyone else. Well, of course you're going to get the home. <laughs> yeah, right. Like yeah, that, I mean, you better get the home. If you're if you're the highest offer and you don't get the home, like you're screwing something up. Right. Um and and don't get me wrong, there's times where that's what we're going for. We know in this situation we want the home. There's something about it that makes it worth going after and being the highest bidder for. But as an acquisitions guy, you should take pride in knowing that hey, I'm able to get homes and not be the highest bidder every time. Right. That's when you know you're good. That's when you're adding value to the company. Yep. Otherwise, you're just an order taker. Right. Exactly. It's like I all mean, you can do is close the ones you're the highest on. There are no emotions no involved here than to just be a silent auction. 100%. And the, the emotion of it is, I mean, that's what I have always seen that brings the sell, is when, when you can, when you, you, first of all, you hear their emotion. You, you hear them. You hear them as a human. Then they feel understood. If you can accomplish those two things, and most humans can't accomplish those two things. In a conversation, they can't help someone feel heard and understood. I didn't say anything about agreeing. Just right. heard and understood. Right. And it's like, if you can't if you can't help someone feel those two things or put out an energy that results in someone feeling that way, you shouldn't be in acquisitions. Yeah, I agree. Like that's, it's, that is the most important thing. Um, and I always go back and harp on that with my guys when I'm training them is like, number one thing is that rapport. And what's underneath that rapport is communication, understanding, and empathy. Trust. Yeah. Yep. And if you can't create those three things, you need to find another job. Yeah. It's no, so it's, important. It's absolutely true. But then the other side of it is like, so that that's what I need to train them in and make sure that they can do. The other side from a business owner standpoint is I've got to have systems and processes in place like you were saying that also track that time. From the time that lead comes in, every second matters. Yeah. And every second that goes by, like that's one thing that Phil Green, I've noticed their team's awesome at is seconds. They count the seconds. When they when they have KPIs that look at that, it's like those are the those little things aren't the little things. Right. They feel like the little things because it seems insignificant, but those seconds, I mean, what what's the closing difference to someone who responds in the first minute? Versus someone who takes, I don't know, hours or twenty four hours or something that you guys see, What's exponentially that? less. I mean, it's it's. Uh, so if let, let's say the percentage of leads that are responded to in that sixty second period, let's say, what thirty percent would that be a good one in three that close or something? Would that be a good number, a high number? Yeah, I would say ten to fifteen. One in a, one in ten. One in ten. So ten yeah. percent. Yeah. So the guy and that's the guys who get them in a minute get that 10%, one in 10 close. Yeah. So the guys who don't get there that fast, what, 
What do you think? Well, now you're getting into that one in 20, one in 40, one in 50. And I how, mean, what, what's the average cost per lead or, or yeah, what's the average cost per lead for pay-per-click? Just varies by market, uh, but since we're in Dallas, uh, you're between three and four hundred dollars per lead. Okay, so let's let's multiply that out. So if you have, if it's one in ten, which is a good close rate, your your cost per acquisition is if it's we're gonna use three hundred bucks is three thousand dollars, right? But if you go to one in twenty, that that exponential difference you're talking about now it's six thousand yeah. per acquisition. Yeah. Or nine thousand, or twelve thousand. Yeah. And then, what's your margin on a deal? I mean, if the average margin on a deal is say twenty, and which is that's pretty strong. I'd say average in Dallas is probably fifteen. If you're spending twelve thousand to get a deal that you're going to sell for fifteen, <laughs> you're wasting time. I mean, yeah. that's not even it. You're, you're not making money. You're, you're out there's of business. no way you're making money. But if you're getting, and then there's also the volume aspect of it. You know, in the, with the same amount of leads, I have four deals. The other guy has one if if my systems and processes are tight. Right. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, it's really crazy when you think about all those layers to it to be good at this. Yeah. People, it yeah. is not. It's not easy. 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 <laughs> I mean, you there's so many boxes you have to be able to check in the process to be really on top of your game. And, and that's, you know, it's one of the benefits that we have of having so many top players around the country as clients is we see that data yep. and we're able to evaluate the data and use that to make data-driven decisions and, and, and establish best practices and, and, uh, and provide strategy and training to our clients. Yeah. I was going to say, you can coach your clients and yeah. be like, Hey, and we do you guys are good heavily. at this and this, but you guys are <laughs> sucking at that. And until you fix that, these other things aren't going to get better. Yeah. Like we had that call, um, a few weeks ago with, oh, what's the new guy's name? Brian was the old guy. There's a new guy who's like our... Jeff. Jeff. So we had a call with Jeff, and he's like, hey, just just so you know, um, you guys' as company, you're not doing very good at getting in contact with your leads. And when I looked at it, the reason we're not doing good is because we're not getting in contact with them quickly enough. That's the biggest factor, I think, to them not getting in touch with as many leads. And so that coaching for us then... You know, I went to sales manager and I'm like, this is a massive problem that has to get fixed immediately. And they're on it. And now after we're talking today, I'm going to go back to him and be like, I need to know how many seconds it takes. Yeah. If it's over 60, like it, the lead's moving on to someone else. Well, it goes, it, it all goes back to incentive, right? Our account strategists are incentivized on retention. Yeah. And so it's in their best interest to keep their eyes on the road and to yep. make those recommendations and to have the, what's the podcast appropriate term? To have the guts uh -huh. to call you on it. Yeah, 100%. So what are some mistakes that people make when they start going into pay-per-click or Facebook ads and things like that? What are some of the biggest mistakes that real estate investors make? Um, probably just thinking that everything is going to happen quickly and smoothly. You know, we're dealing with... Uh, you know, machine learning platform or AI. Yeah, we're dealing with statistics and probability, and you know, and and we're also dealing in a market where not every lead is created equal. Mm -hmm. So not every lead is valued the same, right? And yep. we're willing to bid more and pay more for certain searches than we are for others. So you put all these variables together, and it it just isn't data is not a straight line. Nope. Um, and so 
when you look at perceptions, that's one thing that we really try to do in the discovery call is set proper expectations early on because understandably so everybody wants to know well what's what's uh, what's my cost per lead going to be what's my close rate going to yep. be what's my cost per deal you know all these metrics and we track those very granularly throughout you know working with us but predicting what those are going to be is incredibly difficult oh it sounds like sounds like there's a range you can offer but that range is going to be dramatically impacted by the user by the systems and processes they have in place and by the training that they have for their Closers, yeah. like if your guys can't close, doesn't matter how many, how what your guys' normal right. cost per acquisition is. If your guys don't know how to close, it doesn't has no impact on the business of the person you're talking to. Totally makes sense. What about like keywords? Like if I was like, eh, I don't need Bateman. I can just go out and bid for buy my house fast for cash. Like what's wrong with that? Well, one of our sales funnels actually gives you our keywords. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, and so, you know, we don't make a secret of, of what we do or how we do it. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we basically throw the recipe to our secret sauce out there, but it's just difficult and it requires a, a a really well-trained team to do. Um, but when it comes to keywords, I mean, you know, everyone thinks of about the same 12 keywords, all the variations of sell my house fast for cash and, you know, yada, yada. But when you look at it, there are thousands of search term variations. And over the years, what we've seen are tens of thousands of searches in this market. Probably 80% of them are unique and never searched again. The other 20% are somewhat repeatable, if you will. There's probably a 1% or 2% that is what most people search. That right. would be my guess out right. of all that. And so if your target is that 1%, going to pay for it. Yeah, you're going to yeah. pay for it. And you're missing out because on the aggregate, when you add up the volume of all those other searches, if you have a presence on those searches, then you're putting yourself in front of a much, even if you ignored the 1%, yeah. you're putting yourself in front of a much, much bigger target audience. Totally makes sense. And then on the flip side, it's negative keywords. We're in such a specialized niche industry that small variations in a search term can be the difference between a retail lead and a motivated seller lead. Mm -hmm. And those, you know, we're actively keeping those out. Yeah. So negative keywords, our negative keyword list is, you know, hundred times longer than our keyword list. That makes a lot of sense because you, I mean, and for you guys to provide value, there's no value in providing listed properties. Right. Like, it, right. It, it has to be off market stuff they, for it to have value. Yeah. And, and those leads, look, they do sneak through. You know, you do the best you can to, to keep them out, but they do sneak through. But one of the things that we're doing and, and, and going back to the lead sculpting on the landing page is that if somebody is a listed lead, that's fine. We're still going to pass that information along. It has some value. Yeah. But, more than anything, we want to know that because we're not going to report that as a conversion to Google. Mm -hmm. Because what that does is it incentivizes Google to find more leads that look like that. Yeah, And so that's one of the biggest mistakes that uh, people who either try to run their own PPC yeah, or use sense. agencies that just don't know is they're reporting conversions for listed properties yeah. and then they get more of the same. Crazy. So... 
so, some reasons that you'd want to use a service like what you offer is, from what I'm hearing is experience is probably the number one thing. Number two is the attention. Like you guys, not only are you paying close attention, but you know exactly what to pay close attention to. And there's a lot going on. So there's a couple of really good reasons. I mean, that's why we use a service. Like I know that if someone isn't checking on that regularly, it's gonna, it can get out of control really easily. You can spend a lot more money than you mean to. You can also be a lot less effective than you're trying to be. Right. So yeah, it's all really interesting. You mentioned yeah. earlier that you guys have six or seven guys in R&D. Tell me about some of the cool stuff you guys are working on and like what's some future stuff you guys are okay. trying to do that, that's exciting. So I think one of the coolest things that we're working on are dynamic landing pages. So if we roll back to the sales process and when that starts, most of us think of the sales process starting once the acquisitions agent gets on the phone with the seller. Yeah. But it actually starts before then. It starts at what Google calls that zero moment of truth, which is their impressions before they even get to engage with the brand. Mm -hmm. So if we roll that all the way back, it's when they do that search, what do they see in the search results? And oftentimes what you see are, are titles, you know, we buy houses, you know, whatever. We're trying to be more dynamic and more specific. I'll give you an example. So we already do where if somebody searches based on their IP address, we're inserting dynamically into the, into the title, you know, we buy houses in, insert your small town yeah, here, yeah, right? So it's very granular very specific. But what we're working on is more dynamic ad copy and landing pages that focus on the intent of their search. We all know that somebody who is searching because they're pre-foreclosure has a different set of pain points than somebody who inherited a house and just doesn't want it. Yeah, totally different So situation. if we can start addressing those pain points from that very, very first impression, then we're further ahead by light years than we are the rest of the competition totally. that's generic. I mean... If I'm a if I'm an end if I'm a homeowner and I'm in pre foreclosure and I go click on your website and it's geared to probate or you know inherited homes, mm -hmm. I'm gonna be like, oh, I'm in the wrong place. Right. I, I might think that. Right. And so you're, what you're saying is, we're gonna have some awareness from the data of what you're really looking for, and then we know what they search. And then yeah, and then your page is gonna pop up with addressing those specific pain points based on what they search. Right. That's and, yeah. way better than a generic. It, that, going back to what you're saying, you're, you're teaching your acquisitions agents to have empathy and to understand the situation. Well, if your ad already understands their situation, yeah. how much further along are you going to be compared to everybody who just has a general ad out there you're going to be light years ahead. So how does that then convert? So like, let's say that it's the situation I just laid out. They're in pre-foreclosure and you have an inheritance website. But your dynamic website now, it pops up as a pre-foreclosure website. And they're like, this is perfect. How does that information get passed along to our acquisition guys so that they know how to address the individual? Yeah, every landing page is unique. And it has a unique address and identifier. Mm -hmm. And so that information can be passed along just so when like, that lead comes through. So when the lead comes through, it could have a link to the page. So the acquisition manager sees what they see and it can right. all stay congruent. Right. That's awesome. Right. So again, just being one step ahead of the competition, um, not having to ask, uh, you know, you already know 
what your response blocks are going to be as you go into it because you know what motivated them to reach out in the first place. Yep. That's so cool. It's uh, the sophistication that's coming into real estate acquisition is crazy. I mean, it used to be so basic. Like, you know, put a cardboard sign on a stop sign. Yeah. Say, call me if you got to sell your house right. or whatever. Signs now it's exit. now it's it's so much, I mean, better, in my opinion. Like, yeah. I'd way rather have all that information and know who I'm talking to and why they want to talk to me than just, you know, having whoever call me my phone number off a random sign. So much better. This is awesome. Anything else you want to share about what you guys are up to or new stuff you guys have on the horizon? Oh, I, I think probably one of the other biggest elements to improving lead quality over time is, and again, it's at the forefront of everybody's mind because AI and chat GPT and everything else has become so... Yeah, that's what I want you to talk about. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, the first thing that always comes up, I'll just nip this in the bud, is don't use AI to write your ad copy. Yeah, I would agree with that. <laughs> um you know, beside the fact that Google can pick up on on AI generated content uh, and so forth, I, I would not use that in hopes to replace true content writing on on websites. Agreed. And but that being said, <clears throat> um, when we look at you know what Google is at its core, it is uh, and any AI for that matter, it can only be trained based on the data you give it, and if you're giving it very, very small amounts of data, it's going to learn very slowly. If you're giving it massive amounts of data, it's going to learn more quickly. Uh, even on ChatGPT, it'll say that the platform doesn't really know anything after 2021. Mm -hmm. So if you ask it something specific uh, to 2023, it's probably not going to give you a response. Yeah. So when we look at how to engage with and train uh, a platform like Google or Facebook, one of the most important things you can do is feedback data into the platform. Most people don't know that you can do that. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we have is called offline data reporting. And you'll know in every call that you have with us, we have a database of your leads and we have you disposition each of those leads. And then we score that and we trace it all the way back to the original click ID. Mm -hmm. So think about this. Google has over 10,000 points of data on every single click. That's how much they know about every one of us. You know, they know if you've been searching motivated seller terms over the last six months or if this is your first time, right? They yeah. know. Yeah. And so by making those correlations and feeding that data back in, we're training the algorithm on how to find better quality leads. That's awesome. And by doing that, we're able to, again, increase appointments yep. set at a lower cost and less spam. I love that. There's some cool stuff on the horizon. I mean, we're, uh, you know, the bandit sign thing I mentioned a few minutes ago, that's the, that's not even a shotgun approach. That's like, that's, that's just, that's just anything that you can get to come close in. Close right? your eyes and throw we're, it out in the wind. We're getting so good at like getting it to a sniper standpoint where it's like, we know the individuals throughout a market that are going to need to sell their home to an investor and it's so clear who they are now from all the data that, um, you know, when I hear the data you guys have and the data some of the other data companies in real estate investing have, it's a lot of information. That uh, It's not as much as Google, obviously, right. but it's enough that it can really start pinpointing these people. And one of the things that 
I mean, I would say the general public doesn't like about real estate investors. Um, you know, there's this whole slumlord thing. That's one of the things. But the other thing is everybody's getting lit up with phone calls yeah. now and texts and, and all this stuff to buy homes. And a lot of people don't like that. And so getting better at not hitting people who are definitely not going to sell is also, I think, really good for us as a community to just be less hated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, not, we're not people's favorite people in the world generally. So Yeah, like no, it makes, that. makes sense. Well, and as far as data goes, I'll tell you, in the, in the near future, we'll have to sit back down on these sofas and have a conversation around what we're discovering in OTT. So we'll yeah, I would come, love we'll to. Have to I'm, I'm sure we will. There's, there's we'll, a tease for the future yeah, right there. Yeah, yes, um, for sure. Um, I would like to have a handful of questions I ask every guest, but I don't have that list of questions. So I might hit you up later to answer a few questions for me uh, around that. Um, but where can people find out more about you and Bateman and uh, get in touch if they want to start using your service? Yeah, I mean, you can always email me directly. Noah, pretty easy name to spell, at batemancollective.com. You can go to Bateman, Bateman is B A T E M A N. Bateman, not Batman. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. Okay, just making sure everyone yeah. knows how to spell it because <laughs> a guy like me wouldn't be able to spell that. So, uh, yeah. Or you can go to the website batemancollective.com awesome. and uh, and and click on the link there to schedule a time. Yep. And I would definitely promote them. We've been using them since the beginning of the year. It's we're recording this in mid-April, and I think we've got nearly ten deals under contract now from working with you guys, and that's uh. We spent about $30,000, so it's about $3,000 cost per acquisition for us in Dallas. And, um, you know, I think some of these deals were making 5 or 10x as, as much as that on them. So definitely has worked out well for us. I would highly recommend them, and Noah's been great to work with. So definitely would recommend Bateman Collective if you're looking into get someone to help you with your, pa your pay-per-click, your SEO, uh, Instagram, or Facebook ads. So they would be the go-to guys. Thanks so much for coming out. Appreciate you being yeah, on the show. Thanks for having me. Great.